I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Are you fucking it high? Was- yes, I am! Asshole face man! You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh talking. my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> I got a whole folder full of dick pics, okay? Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone boy and Phoenix. I don't know, phone boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. Oh, they're horrible. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit. Now with twice the whores. The offensive has begun! That's right. The offensive has begun. We have twice the whores. And your favorite whore, myself, wants to welcome you to episode 116 of the Lotus Effect, which, as you heard, we titled Come for the Wi-Fi, Stay for the Weed. And, uh, you know, much like everything else in this shit show, the show itself's made up, and content doesn't matter, and I'm still Phoenix. I will fuck you up! Uh, and I'm Phone Boy? You're pissed about something, huh? I, I, I am. I'm, I'm thoroughly pissed about the fact that it's a fucking holiday from what everybody keeps shouting Wait, or what, something what? like that. Yeah. I absolutely cannot stand the fact <laughs> that I have to be subjected to another assault on my senses by everyone around me screaming holiday greetings. Stop it. Stop it right now. Okay. Do not make my brain hurt. Okay, can I so um yeah, I guess I guess we know where this is going. What is this a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. Uh, I think I'm going to be sick. Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing... I just had an orgasm. Oh, me too. I guess that's how the Lotus affects us. But however, wherever it affects you, thank you for your courage and for propagating the model of the Podfather himself. And if you're new to the No Agenda family, well, here's how it works. Benjamins and Boostergrams. 
We, uh, we're a value for value podcast, which means that uh, we provide value in the form of entertainment to you all fine folks. And whatever that is valued at to you all, whether it be time, talent or treasure, just give a little bit back to us. And the way that you can do that, there are several. You can go to lotuseffect.show and click the green We Like Money button because we're a charitable organization that will gladly take your fiat fund coupons off yourself and put them to good use like merchandising and keeping this shit show running. You can also send us boostograms using a podcasting 2.0 app. And if you don't have one, then you must have been absolutely living in a cave like the Grinch. Yeah, that's it. I made a Christmas reference. Fuck off. Yeah. If you don't have one, take off all your clothes, freeze your ass off, go to new pod, nudepodcastapps.com. And of course, if you're like the rest of us who live in a really warm place and you can take all your clothes off without freezing your ass off, well, still keep them on. Go to newpodcastapps.com and get you one that lets you splash the walls of the Lotus Effect and your other favorite podcasts with Satoshis. Now, of course, you can also send us something in the snail mail. And if you want our address, you can hit us up in the back channel. Be more than glad to provide it for you. But uh, some people who have been providing some great value for value in the form of their treasure is Sharky with his monthly donation of 766 Thank you so much, Sharky. And he also boosted during Rideshare Radio Friday night, 1337, saying Weirdo Yankovic, Nature Trail to Hell, which we played. And then Weirdo slammed a big old $10 donation into the show. So we want to thank him for that as well. I guess yes. that would make him the executive producer. Uh, oh, yeah, it? you were the executive producer if I had that clip. If oh, I, had that clip I, I caught him unprepared. He doesn't have his clip. But that's okay, because you know how this shit show works. Nothing ever goes to script, because if it did, well, it wouldn't be the Lotus Effect. That, that's right. But if you want to get in on this Boostergram party, like we said, get a new podcast app that lets you splash the walls of the Lotus Effect or your favorite podcast. And... Uh, I guess we... Uh, but I, you, never, you, you have to play a clip. Uh, will you shut up? I was just getting there. Hello? Okay, okay well then... Just know. because you don't have your shit together, sir, Santa Claus, <laughs> does not mean that I don't. Thank you very much. You know. And I know most of you probably feel this way. No, I won't say that I um, understand everything, but it was certainly uh, different. And, oh, uh, yes, well, well worth a dollar. And, of course, the other ways that you can contribute value is with some feedback. I got mail! Yay! Now, the way you can do that, of course, is you can send us a message on No Agenda Social. He's at Phoneboy at No Agenda Social. Or, what's your spook one? MK.spook.social. I haven't looked at it in a while. I'm sure some, some more people are following me there. Probably, because you're awesome to follow. Yeah. And, of course, I'm at Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X, with a bunch of stuff after it on No Agenda Social. And you can email us, phoneboy at lotuseffect.show, phoenix at lotuseffect.show. Again, you can send snail mail, so hit us up in the back channel if you would like our address for you to send anything. Or you can do this other thing that is so amazing and it's catching on like wildfire. You can call 253-237-3321 and tell us, about your most favorite Twisted Christmas song. What is the one that you just love to hear when you're having that real ragey moment because 
the bitch in front of you just got the last of what you wanted for that last Christmas gift that you just had to get to contribute to the consumerism. What is it? What's that song you just got to crank up? 253-237-3321. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell computers. This is Chip. Yeah, well, we know we know Chip's not standing by or or, or yeah, but uh, Google Voice, I'm sure, will turn your uh, turn your uh, your tech your 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 talk into 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 shit or something. I don't know, but uh, it'll mangle your transcript all to hell. You'll become a show title. It'll be a great goddamn time, like it always is. That, now, of course, you can also weigh in on any other show topic that we may have had, you know, for the refire, like your actual what is. Like the one we had, what, like a week ago, I believe it was, where we asked you, what song do you have to hear in order for it to be Christmas? It's the go-to, okay, in my head it's now Christmas because I've heard blank song. You can call 253-237-3321 and weigh in on that as well. That's right. Or or any of the other bullshit we've talked about, or just just to say hello. You know, I don't know. People do that, too. All the time. That's right. Now, uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, now that we've played all the rules, we've given you all the rules... uh, Relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. But there's one thing we won't take. We don't want your shit. Please don't send us your shit. Yeah, love us, hate us. Just, if you, if you, get, you get a difference of opinion, just be respectful. Otherwise, we don't want your shit, man. We, yeah, because yeah, we are not afraid to tell you to go fuck yourself, eat a bag, etc. We've done it for lesser things. I'm sure we have. Now, meanwhile, uh, I think I think we have uh, gotten uh, now to we've beginning to our health segment of the show, which is brought to you by Pfizer. And, you know, of course, got to start off with. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we, we yeah we we do we do cover these stories on a fairly regular basis. Uh, you know these Ozempic stories, but uh, that's truly a clip on my board that I should probably leave in the folder for how many times I've had to add it in because we just can't. Much like people taking the medication, we just can't get off this shit. Yeah, but um, chiss. Yes, exactly. Okay, so. There are accidental overdoses of the popular diabetes and obesity drug semaglutide as sold under the trade names Ozempic and Wegovy. Now, they're on the rise, according to reports. Now, experts say compounded or alterated versions of the drug are likely the culprit. The surge has come to light through the national poison control data, with call centers reporting a dramatic uptick in the number of calls made about the drug semaglutide. Now, according to a report from CNN, so you know it's the, you know it's the truth, the American Association of Poison Control Centers, which aggregates data from state poison control centers, found in January to November that there were nearly 3,000 calls involving uh, semaglutide, an increase of more than 15-fold since 2019. Now, in 94% of the calls, this medication was the only substance reported now, individual reports symptoms associate with known side effects of semaglutide, such as nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Now, now in some cases, their symptoms are more extreme, with some requiring hospitalization. Now, poison control centers have taken notice and are reporting their findings. Uh, this year, Dr. Joseph Lampson, a, a PharmD director of the New, of the New Mexico Poison um, and Drug Information Center, an assistant professor at the University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy, it sounds real uh, 
Sounds real f- fancy or something. Yeah. They want it to sound fancy. Yeah, that's right. They authored they they authored a case report in, published in the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association, uh, describing his experiences with semaglutide overdose while working at Utah's Poison Control Center. Now, what really sparked our interest in doing this research is that our specialists in the call center were getting calls about expo- exposures to semaglutide that didn't quite fit up with what we would expect from the FDA-approved formulations. Lamson told Healthline. Uh, now the report. Documents two individuals who taken 10 times their intended dosage. In one instance, a 50-year-old man with, a type, with type 2 diabetes who had obtained semaglutide from a compounding pharmacy, which we're going to talk about that in a second here. Um, let's see. Um, let's, uh, okay, let's see. One instance, yeah, so 10, yes. Uh, he obtained some uh, from a, he accidentally injected himself with 0.5 milliliter of semaglutide instead of 0.05 milliliter. He reported two days of vomiting and one week of ongoing nausea, but didn't require hospital care. Now, in another case, a 37-year-old woman with obesity administered herself with one millimeter of semaglutide with the intended dose, with the intended dose of 0.1 milliliter. Now, she uh, reported a persistent headache, weakness, and fatigue, but did not require hospitalization. She too got the drug through a compounding pharmacy. Now, a third individual, a 33-year-old woman, reported going to the emergency room with nausea, vomiting, and abdominal after receiving what she believed to be semaglutide at an aesthetic spa. It is unclear where the, where the spa got the drug. Now, curiously, Lampson found that callers would report their dosage in milliliters, not milligrams. Uh, uh, FDA-approved formulations for semaglutide at Ozempic and Wegovy use milligrams and are sold as self-administered injectable pens with a set dosage. Now, a compounded drug is a mixed or altered version of ingredients to make the medication that is tailored to the need of the individual patient, according to the FDA. People may need to compound a drug if, for example, they're supposed to take a drug in pill form but are unable to take a, a pill, or they are allergic to a compounded FDA-approved drug and need a formulation without that compound. Now, while they're illegal, these drugs are not approved by the FDA. FDA. So, you know, yeah, make sure you use the only of the approved drugs, folks, because only the approved drugs are going to be the ones that are going to uh, kill you properly. You know, that's right. We, we wouldn't want it done half ass for sure. Yeah. And this article. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I, there was a bunch more to the article. They were they were throwing compounding pharmacies under the bus. And 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 I'm sorry, they, these I don't I don't I, I can't do that. I mean, there's 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 plenty of good reasons for you know, why would you want to, um, um, you know, to add, I don't know, throw these things under the bus. They, 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 they provide the drugs in a way that people might actually be able to take them. But no, of course not, because because they don't they're not controlling their they can't control the narrative that's why they want the they want to get rid of these pharmacies it's actually- much like trying to zombify the children and controlling uh the narrative as far as again like i said on yesterday's show the fact that the government controls the food that you have access to if it's a matter of buying it commercially you know from your grocery store, your Walmart, whatever, okay? The food is shit, which makes it necessary for you to take the medication, which is shit. Either way you look at it, you're dead. That That's their end goal. They want you dead. They want to exterminate you. And much like the truth about this stuff, they don't want it out there. That's why they're discrediting the doctors that tell you, hey, instead of taking this Ozempic and Wagovi, why don't you just stop eating the hot, fresh garbage? It's amazing how freeing it is not to have to worry about the steak I'm eating 
having side effects. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's a delicious and moist uh, steak. Anyway. Much, uh, like to, <laughs> much like tomorrow's dinner, you know, smoked uh, prime rib. Yes, exactly. It's going to be amazing. But what's not amazing is this, next this story. fucking story. You racist bastard. Yeah, so a new study by investigators from Brigham and Women's Hospital has evaluated the tendency of, the, of chat GPT-4 to encode and exhibit racial and gender biases in four clinical decision support roles. The, the, their results are published in the Lancet uh, Digital Health, you know, which you know we, we know is probably full of shit. But um, the investigators tested four applications of GPT-4 using the Azure OpenAI platform. Now, first, they prompted GPT-4 to generate patient vignettes that can be used in medical education. Next, they tested GPT-4's ability to correctly develop a differential diagnosis and treatment plan for 19 different patient cases from a, from a, from a New England Journal of Medicine healer, a, me, a, a medical education tool that presents challenging clinical cases to medical trainees. Now, finally, they assessed how GPT-4 makes inferences about a patient's clinical presentation using eight case vignettes that were originally generated to measure implicit bias. For each application, the authors assessed whether GPT-4's outputs were biased by race or gender. Now, for the medical education task, the researchers constructed 10 prompts that required GPT-4 to generate a patient presentation for a supplied diagnosis. They ran each prompt 100 times and found that GPT-4 exaggerated known differences in disease prevalence by demographic group. Now, one striking example is when GPT-4 is prompted to generate a vignette for a patient or sarcoidiosis. <coughs> now, GPT-4 describes a black woman 81% of the time. <coughs> now, while sar uh, sarcoidosis is more prevalent in black patients than in women, it's not an 81% of all patients. Okay, well, now next, when GPT-4 was prompted to develop a list of 10 possible diagnoses for the, for the healer cases, um, changing the gender or race and or ethnicity of the patient significantly affected its ability to prioritize the correct top diagnosis in 37% of the cases. Now, when asked to evaluate subjective patient traits such as honesty, understanding, and pain tolerance, GPT-4 produced significantly different responses by race, ethnicity, and gender for 23% of the questions. So, for example, GPT-4 was significantly more likely to rate uh, black male patients as abusing the opioid Percocet than, uh, than Asian, black, Hispanic, and white female patients when the answer should have been identical for all the simulated patient cases. Now, limitations of the current study include testing GPT-4's responses using a limited number of simulated prompts and analyzing model performance using only a few traditional categories of demographic identities. A future work could investigate uh, biases using clinical notes from the electronic health record. Now, all of this just sounds like this isn't ready for prime time. No, not even close. This is unbelievable that this i mean i'm not surprised i'm 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 more just morbidly uh just i don't even know i i don't it literally leaves me dumbfounded like you know how much i hate chat gpt so the fact that i am seeing this story i i get a devilish childish glee that like this this dumpster fire is bigger than I thought. It, it, it's starting to catch the landfill, okay? It's entertaining, at the very least. Now, I think it's fucked up, because obviously, we all know that GPT is only as intelligent, if you will, as the human that programmed it, or humans. 
So this directly speaks, in my personal opinion, to the massive bias that lives within those who programmed this computer. And I really think that it's the programmers who should be hanging their heads in shame. And the fact that this article reads like they're fully blaming a fucking computer that is not free thinking and autonomous blows my fucking mind. Sorry, yeah. just me. Yes. So, um, meanwhile, um, so uh, I think we, I think, um, I think this, I think this next clip we, we're all behind here. Maybe not. I wait, well, wait a minute. You gotta, you gotta have to play it. Yes. Now, you know, we, we rail about sugar a lot, and it's not an impossible mission to quit, to quit sugar. Now, many people face challenges not because they can't quit, because they don't know how or they set overly ambitious goals. Now, um, now you can you can break it down into, into steps. Now, first, reduce sugar, then quit it altogether, and then eventually overcome the cravings. Now, the benefits of this approach are no different from quitting sugar directly or, you know, or, or, you know, or, or, hard, or hardcore. Now, Dr. Jason Fung, a nephrologist specializing in reversing type 2 diabetes and intermittent fasting, I've read his, I've read his books. We've spoken about him several times on our program. That's right. He's likened it to swimming. Now, some pre some prefer easing into the water to adapt to the temperature, while others dive right in. Now, both approaches can achieve the same ultimate goal. So, you know, I mean, however you however you do it, do it, right? Um, now, just like we advise people with any addiction, uh, Jessica Russo, a, a clinical psychologist in Philadelphia with a doctorate in psychology, uh, told the Epoch Times, every day, just cut your sugar down a little bit. Now, it's easier said than done. It's a pretty addictive substance. Um, we keep talking about that. Now, the process of quitting sugar is about retraining the palate said Lorenzo Cohen, a professor and director of the in Integrative Medicine Program at the MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center during an interview with the Epoch Times. Now, during, now, once people apply this, they will gradually discover that even items with very little sugar taste quite sweet and unexpected changes will occur in the body. Uh, now, reading labels is often the first habit many people adopt when quitting sugar and barking on a diet. Now, in reading labels, there are two key aspects to focus on, the ingredient list and the sugar content per 100 grams of serving. Now, that's one thing that you're huge on. Every single thing we touch in the grocery store, unless it's something like, you know, a steak or... A, a one ingredient food. Well, He'll although we've like, seen with one ingredient oh. foods, though, one yeah. of my most epic rants ever, right? It, it, it's like, what natural flavor does it need? It's a fucking cow. Well, it was much like the horrification that I experienced when attempting to purchase some, finger quotes, fresh chopped herbs, and you look at the ingredient list and they're in fucking canola oil. I, I wanted to rip my own face off at that point. And people are just like, oh, this is the best thing. Like, no, it's really not. So, yeah, no matter if you think it's a one ingredient food or not, if it has a label, look for the ingredients and, you know, be afraid. Be very afraid because the shit that you might not think has sugar or some other nefarious shit in it. Yeah, it's probably right there. Yeah. So the problem is there are more than 60 names for sugar and more if you count the artificial sweeteners, which are worse for you than the sugar, honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, so even foods that do not taste sweet, like crackers or salad dressings, you might still find sugar listed in the ingredients, aside from the fact that they also that the contents of the, of the crackers will also turn into sugar in your system. So, you know, <coughs> so, for example, one tablespoon of Heinz tomato ketchup contains what contains four grams of added sugar. A Big Mac from McDonald's has seven grams of added sugar and a large Big Mac combo meal, which a large Coca-Cola and a serving of fries, the total added sugar may reach 84 grams. Even potato chips and other 
uh, other savory snacks may contain sugar. Now, the rest of this article, you know, kind of tell, you know, they say, oh, you know, try to, you know, moderation, blah, 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 you know, swap that you just basically quit sugar, folks. I mean, that's about all there really is to it. Right. Quit sugar. The end, you know. And, and- yeah. And that that's full stop. Just quit sugar. And I want to point out the fact that when they talk about the large Big Mac meal with the large Coke, that's where a shit ton of that sugar is coming in, is that large Coke. Because the amount of sugar in that uh, soda syrup, keyword fucking syrup, oh, God, please don't make me go there. It's, it's just, it's horrible. Please don't ever put that substance in your body. Let's be real. Have you ever seen what Coca-Cola does to a nail? That, that's all I'm saying. Think about the fact. That's doing that to your gut. Uh, above and beyond the sugar aspect. I'm just saying. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's interesting. This next story was kind of added to our script because it came about upon a conversation you and I had started having yes. about soy, which is a, 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 an important staple protein food for people who choose a plant-based diet. Uh, interferes with iodine uh, utilization, and that can impact thyroid function. And thyroid function is very important for the brain. Yes, and in fact, actually, this is it's interesting that uh, the, the, the Dr. George Ede there uh, talks about soy creating thyroid problems. That's actually the first point. So the, the article is called Eight Reasons Why Soy is Bad for You. And, and I want to point out, the whole reason why this even became a thing was because I had casually been talking to phone boy one morning and I'm like, I've probably asked you this question 100,000 times, but I'm going to ask it again. Why is it that, I mean, above and beyond just the fact it's soy, but what is it about soy sauce that is so bad that we absolutely cannot have it? And even the paleo diet has big red warning flags to stay away from it. So he started doing some research, and this is what yeah. Actually, the, actually, this article came from a Paleo Living site uh, web webpage. So now the main danger from soy to the thyroid is the goiterous it contains. Now this is a component that prevents the thyroid from being able to absorb iodine. Iodine is crucial to the body as it helps to produce a hormone that helps with the metabolic processes in the body. Now these metabolic processes also help with cognitive and physical development. Now women often suffer from problems related to the thyroid. Therefore, eating food with even more uh, goiterin. Uh, in them will only make such problems worse. Uh, there's also an abundance of phytoestrogen, right? So phytoestrogens are harmful whether you're a man or a woman. A soy contains high levels of phytoestrogens and that it affects the levels of estrogen in the body. An increase in estrogen not only leads to hormonal imbalance, but could also cause infertility and even increase the risk of developing cancer. Now, plants contain phytoestrogens that they use as a weapon against animals and insects in order to prevent them from eating them. So, yeah, this is, so this is, uh, when we talk about anti-nutrients, right? This is something that these things have. Uh, they can also also have an impact on us humans and the hormonal effect on us is still undergoing research. Now, soy products promise gluten intolerant individuals a better option, but the lectin in soy says otherwise. Lectins have become a great factor in digestive issues due to increased gut permeability and prevent healing of the intestines. Now, furthermore, it could lead to your immune system becoming overactive. Now, um, this, these kinds of lectins contained within this particular legume are known as a, 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 agulatins and that our bodies often find very hard to digest. These particular lectins can also cause problems to the flow of blood around the body as they cause the red blood cells to clump together. In turn, this can lead to your body not receiving enough oxygen to allow it to function properly. That's a problem. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's not good. Um, 
There's also the increased risk of heart, heart, heart disease. In 1985, a series of 38 controlled clinical trials were carried out, and the data collected showed that eating around 50 grams of soy-based protein each day in place of animal protein reduced a person's LDL cholesterol by nearly 13%. Now, you need to keep in mind that this amount of soy protein is the same as drinking 8-8 ounce glasses of soy milk each day. That's a... That's a uh, that's a lot of uh, things. Then, now, then, 15 years later, the Nutrition Committee of the AHA uh, published an update to these trials, and in this, they stated that consuming 50 grams of soy would actually only reduce the LDL cholesterol by levels by three percent. But what you need also need to consider that these studies actually mask the issue that cholesterol isn't a reliable way of determining if a person's at risk heart disease or not. Not very much, very true. Um, you know, so they've got, uh, you know, they also contain uh, trypsin inhibitors. Now, while soy products are often marketed as heart healthy, studies in this field say otherwise. Instead of encouraging great heart health, says uh, uh, I can't even say that, hemagglutinin content leads to the red blood cells to bind together and restricting them the even uh, dis distribution of oxygen throughout the body. It also restricts the proper absorption of protein in the body by inhibiting the, pro the, the production of trypsin. Now, trypsin inhibitors contained with the raw, with, with raw soy actually interfere with the way the trypsin enzyme works. As a result of this, the body finds it harder to break down protein after it has been eaten. That's, that's That doesn't sound good. Because your body isn't getting enough protein, this can lead to gastric distress and cause your pancreas to have to work harder. It can also lead to damage to your gut's barrier. Now, this now if your pancreas has to work extra hard, that can definitely lead to type 2 diabetes because it will be overproducing all of that insulin. And it's interesting because having been on the diet roller coaster for many years and tried so many different things, I remember soy being touted as such a big deal. And then they expect you to eat a quote-unquote sensible meal while consuming something that's literally going to rob your body of the nutrients that you're consuming with that sensible meal. It's so counterproductive, and yet they're making billions of dollars a year on this lie. Yeah. Now, apparently soy causes allergies, just like its cousin peanuts, because they're a legume after all. Soy can cause allergies. Although not common, soy protein allergy usually shows up in younger children. And this type of allergy can disappear as a child grows up, but the symptoms can still disturb, which includes diarrhea, vomiting, weight loss, and anemia. Yeah, that, none of those things sound good. And I want to point out the fact that I'm pretty sure that if you have a lactose intolerant baby, they put them on soy formula. Just want to point that out. Yes. Yeah. But if, uh, if, you know, if eaten, uh, if eaten in excess, they can decrease the bioavailability of minerals that your body needs. So the minerals that you will have problems absorbing are zinc, iron, copper, calcium, and magnesium, all of which bind to each other because of the excess phytates in the body. Um, you know, so, um, you know, but then the, now they also contain anti-nutrients, which is, you know, I think I mentioned that before. And the best way of describing uh, saponins is uh, that they are soap-like. This was because they contain certain properties that enable them to rearrange cell membranes, which then allows them to slip through the bloodstream. One of these anti-nutrients have entered the bloodstream. They're able to initiate an immune response and cause systemic inflammation that can lead to someone developing any number of chronic diseases, you know. Exactly. And we all know how great inflammation is in any form and in any place in your body. Yes. Meanwhile, I think I can say now that I've moved. Uh, yeah. Hey.
thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah. So from ancient to Egypt to medieval England, uh, cultivating one or more crops in the same field was common practice among many farmers for thousands of years. However, in the last century, food producers largely stopped intercropping and moved towards an industrial type of agriculture, a shift that it contributed to 34% of the world's farmland being degraded today. Now, interest is growing in intercropping again because farmers increasingly understand it improves their soil health, said Jerry Alford, an organic farmer and advisor from the Soil Association, a UK charity promoting sustainable agriculture. Jerry thinks this renewed focus can open up a whole new way of farming because it can bridge profitability with regenerative agriculture practices. We've been talking about that for a long fucking time. That's, uh, so that's good stuff. And yes, you, know, you should you should uh, you, you should let your uh, you know let your cow uh, you know shit all over those fields too. You know, same thing. You know. Yeah, chickens too. No, all honestly, of them. it's it's this great life cycle. That's right. In in the in the case of growing a legume and cereal together, we know there is nutrient transfer between the two crops. He added, although this reduces the need for synthetic fertilizers and associated costs. That's the real reason this will never be uh, promoted by anybody. Other potential benefits include reduced weeds and pests and diseases, as well as higher resistance to extreme weather from climate change. All of which can improve the farmer's bottom line. Sounds great to me, uh, but probably not. Doesn't sound so great to industry. I don't think. Uh, to understand and amplify the potential of intercropping, Jerry is running a range of trials where farmers grow a mix of crops on the same stretch of land. This is part of an EU project called legum, Leguminos, which, uh, which is researching the benefits of intercropping with eight European countries, as well as Egypt and Pakistan. In total, there will be 180 living labs where farmers in monoculture systems introduce a strip of intercrop cereals and legumes, such as wheat and, or, and peas or barley and broad beans. What are broad beans? I don't know. I've never heard of those. Yes, I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, we're abroad can be abroad. I don't know. Oh, my grief. <laughs> yes. All right. Each living lab will be tailored to the region which the farmer's choosing the techniques and crops most relevant to their area, such as drilling depth, seed mix, and planting methods. Now, the idea is that this will enable food producers to produce more practical results, something which Leg Leguminos wants to use and attract others into intercropping. Now, one of the UK's living labs recently finished, and Jerry says it has already provided an insight into inter intercropping's promise. The test farm planted wheats and beans, recording a 27% increase in the intercropped plot compared to the the monoculture analysis of this, of, uh, 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 yeah, monoculture analysis of the soil showed less plant disease and uh, present between the two, meaning less need to buy and use agricultural chemicals. Now, the the economic potential of intercropping does not stop there either. Farmers can choose to grow a secondary crop for the market, such as a legume for human and animal consumption or a plant that can enhance the quality of a primary crop. Now, we're also finding that intercropped wheat is meeting UK's milling specifications easier, so it could produce a premium price for the farmer, Jerry said, adding that he hopes that this drives an uptake of intercropping and the practice becomes mainstream in the agricultural sector. Early results have also shown here, too, with one trial finding that wheat intercropped with clover completely remove the presence of a parasitic weed called Doddler, or Dodder, um, Donner, I don't know, what, Donner, Dodder, Bueller, something. Oh my God, I'm going to have to fire you today. <laughs> well, you know, I got I to gotta get your attention somehow here. You have my attention, full and complete. A, a, a benefit that could reduce the need to use herbicide and help cut farmers down on their input costs. Somebody needs to slow the hell down with his reading. Oh, me? Yeah, I, I think I know what your problem is. I'm Google for Google Bugs! 
Uh, oh, you do? Well, okay. Well, what, what? That's right. So older adults who took a daily cocoa extract supplement for two years saw a modest improvement in cognitive function, a new randomized clinical trust, uh, sorry, randomized clinical test found. Easier said than done, isn't it? It really, it really is today. Coming off of being sick, we are sucking at this. So the ven- the benefits, though, were only seen in people who had lower diet quality at the start of the study. Those with healthy dietary patterns did not see a similar boost in to- in cognition. Now, the findings raise the possibility of utilizing flavanol-rich diets or supplements to enhance cognitive function among older adults with lower diet quality, said some guy who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name from the Department of Psychiatry at Mass General Hospital in Boston. I knew we should have taken that clip about Mass General has their dick and everything because they really do. It seems like at least... Twice a month, we're reporting and having these people on our thing, like seriously. So researchers from Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School also carried out the study, which was published December 7th in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Researchers from Brigham and... Oh, wait, I just read that. Sorry. (laughs) I moved my stupid script and I got lost. So participants underwent cognitive testing when they were enrolled in the study. 492 participants repeated the testing two years later. Now, when researchers examined data for the entire group, daily cocoa extract supplements had no effect on people's overall cognition. However, when they looked at people with lower diet quality at the start of the study, the people taking the daily cocoa supplements had relatively better changes in overall cognition and executive functioning. So although the study shows a potential benefit of cocoa cocoa extract supplements on cognition for people with lower diet quality, more research is needed. We all know that is the... The keyword buzz phrase for bullshit. Exactly. Yes. Well, and it's uh, say, what do they mean by, you know, like a little bit better? I mean, it's like, okay, well, they say there's no effect, but there's a little bit of effect. Okay. Yeah. I mean, show me numbers that I'm a numbers gal. If you can show me some numbers that aren't total and utter bullshit, which I know is asking for a miracle, but just saying, oh, it was slightly better. It was not better at all. Like. There, there could literally be a fraction of a difference of a, of a percentage, between the two. Well, you're, and also, you're not and really also, being yeah. uh, transparent here. And also, it, it seems like it's only if their diet was 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 maybe not so good that that, that there might have been some benefit of of, of that. Which because uh, later because there's others in the article there's so there were there was some there were some bits and bobs about about that going well yeah it, it only seemed to have an effect if they if they actually if if their if their diet was shit and we gave them right. cocoa right so. Well, yeah, probably that was that's probably better than what they were fucking eating, scarily enough, you know. It's very possible. Yeah. So what's 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 really possible is that well, this yeah. We're talking about very destructive drugs. Yes. So yeah, in yesterday's um we, we in yesterday's episode we we had this we had this guy Dr. Bregan uh, we had some clips from this guy and they were talking he was talking about the psychi- psychiatric drugs that they're he was more 
focusing on benzodiazepines. Yes. However, this is a this is a, a different kind of drug that people are willingly injecting and they're maiming uh, patients, according to the FDA. Now, people are being maimed by unauthorized fat-dissolving injections meant to tighten up their double chins and dissipate flab among the arms, thighs, and stomach, the, F- the, the FDA warns. Now the, now, the shots are supposed to break down fat cells and reduce fat deposits in the areas around the injection sites, but adverse reactions from the unapproved injections are causing scarring, skin deformities, cysts, painful knots, and serious infections, the FDA said in an agency news release. The unimproved injections are being marketed under brand names like Aqualix, uh, Lipodissolve, Lipolab, and Cabaline, the FDA said. Oh, God, that just sounds terrible. Well, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Cabaline. Oh, that's so beautiful. I think, I think, I, I, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm also writing it down as a, uh, as a show title, so... Uh, we, we, we definitely have to talk about that. Now, um, common ingredients in the injections include phosphatidyl chloride or something uh, and, uh, and sodium dexochloate. Now, these ing- injections, the ingredients have been used alone or together and are sometimes referred to as PCDC injections. Now, the FDA has received reports of consumers harmed by injections they received at clinics and, or med spots from attendants who might not have been properly licensed to give the shots. The agency also has heard from some consumers who bought the unapproved shots online and injected the drugs themselves. Now, the FDA has approved only one injectable drug for dissolving fat, a prescription medication called Kybella, the agency said. So go get yourself some Kybella. You know, that's what this fucking thing seems to say. I don't know. Um... Uh, the drug, which is a, a diesochloic uh, cl- uh, acid, is FDA approved to treat double chins in adults. Now, diesochloic acid is a bile acid naturally produced by the intest- intestinal bacteria to help break down fats during digestion. Now, the FDA warns that improper or unsafe injection practices can increase the risk of scarring, skin infections, and serious complications. Of course, you know why people want to have this shit anyway? What's vanity, complete vanity because they're fat and they don't want to look fat. Um, reference, see your ex-wife. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe my ex-wife would be happier if she took this advice. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. Yeah. That's the problem. That's exactly where it comes. You should have been dicking her asshole all this time. She would have had a whole new outlook on life, phone boy. And then you wouldn't be in this situation of, oh, wait. No, you did fine. (laughs) You're good. Okay, so play the next clip here. (laughs) Sorry, I just couldn't resist being an asshole today. It's like I woke up that way. When pigs fly. Anyway. <laughs> You're so evil. No, this this is actually a really beautiful story. And whether you believe in a higher power, this really kind of speaks to the fact there has to be something bigger than us out there. So Sydney Moore watched as the bassinet containing her infant son, Lord. Are you serious? She fucking named this kid Lord? Oh, I hate this story already. You self-righteous twat. Anyway, so she watched as the bassinet containing her son followed the roof of her mobile home up into the funnel of a tornado, ensuring, she thought, that she would never see him again. Without time to shed a tear, she threw herself atop her one-year-old boy just as the walls collapsed on them both. 
outside, her car was obliterated, and the area around her Clarksville, Tennessee mobile home was completely destroyed. Surviving the collapse of the home, she searched desperately for the four-month-old with her boyfriend, who had been thrown by the force of the funnel, which broke his arm and shoulder. I thought he was dead, Moore told WSMV in a sober voice. Well, that's probably a rarity for her, sober voice. I thought he was dead, and I'd never see him again. Then, a miracle. It was like a little tree cradle, Moore remembered. Her baby was but for a cut unscathed, lying asleep in the crook of a fallen tree. Moore's sister remembered thinking that it looked for all the world as if little Lord had been placed there, as if an angel had guided him through the storm. Caitlin, Sydney's sister, organized a GoFundMe to help the family reco recover from the destruction of their home, means of transport, and the loss of all their furniture and most of their possessions. Generous souls aplenty have seen the fundraiser reach 68000 out of the one hundred grand the family is hoping for. Well, I mean, you know, the, 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 I mean, that's pretty amazing that that baby... Uh... Yeah. Oh, I think it's I think it's absolutely beautiful that the the child was basically unharmed. I I think that's absolutely wonderful. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I I have nothing snarky to say about that particular fact at all. Yeah. Although I I have something. I think I had a snarky comment when I when I suggested this next clip for the uh, for the next story though. Oh yeah. Get a little closer. Don't be shy. Yes, because um, you know uh, this 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 Oklahoma teen uh, overcomes shyness, and, and you know because uh, you know, and it wasn't because of his uh, his antiperspirant. I can assure you, uh, Reed Markham was just a kid when he learned that some children in his town of McAllister, Oklahoma, didn't have any toys under their Christmas tree. Now, a shy kid who was bullied in school, Reed remembered the moment very clearly, since he was no stranger to feeling left out. Even though um, he remembered the moment very clearly, um, since. Uh, um, you know, let's see. Remember, the, okay, hold on. Yeah, shy kid. Yeah, even though his parents divorced when he was just seven, there were people who stepped in to make Christmas time special. So he thought uh, this, uh, his fifth grade friend, would find nothing under the tree was tough to hear. Now, whatever the reason, his heart or his blues, he proposed. He proposed to his mother to hold a toy drive, similar in structure to a backpack drive they had organized on the year before. Reed's mother, Angie Miller, posted the video on Facebook explaining her son's intentions and asked for donations of toys or money to buy toys for. Uh, a giveaway that Reed had decided to do as a 4-H project. Now, there was a great response. Lots of people went out and bought new toys to donate, or they sent money for us to buy them, Miller said. Now, th that was all seven years ago, and now as a university freshman, Reed still drives two and a half hours home from his campus in Stillwater to participate in the annual toy drive, now in its seventh edition. 10,000 toys are slated to be handed out in this year's giveaway, which takes place as a drive through event, with eager kids in the back seats gesticulating to their parents which toy they'd like the most. Each kid also receives a pair of socks, underwear, trousers, a shirt, gloves, and a hat. Now, we have walls of toys lined up on each side of the cards, and kids tell us which ones to grab uh, as, 
their parents drive them through the line, Reed, who studies pre-law and sociology at, uh, at Oklahoma State University, told the Washington Post. Seeing the happy looks on their faces is always the best part. Now, 54,000 toys have so far been given out to kids in Mc, uh, McAllister, which unfortunately has a poverty rate of 24%, according to international statistics. Now, Reed continues paying forward as he sees that the kindness his family received more than a decade ago by starting other charitable programs. He holds silent auctions to benefit pediatric cancer patients and continues the backpack giveaways he started with his mom when he was just 11 years old. Now, one resident told the Post that he he catalyzed everyone in the community. Everyone wants to get involved with his work in some way. And the paper says his activities have raised more than $3.5 million. Good for the kid, you know. He's doing... I Yeah, I think that's beautiful, especially the way people really embraced the idea and his mom as well. And, uh, you know, OK State's a pretty good school. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, um, this is a this is a this is a a pretty positive development or step in the right direction, you might say. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Yeah, well, uh, so, um, yeah, we we all have to deal with pollution, right? So um, a public-private partnership will soon see one of the world's largest nuclear waste treatment facilities begin operations as liquid and solid waste is turned into large bricks of non-radioactive glass. The Hanford Nuclear Cleanup Site in Washington State, maybe that explains why uh, Sir Bemrose gets so cranky sometimes. Possibly. Yeah, well, that that and, uh, you know, that and the the realities of uh, people wanting their uh, Christmas crap, you know. Um, Yeah, it's been rampant. He's overworked. It's a good thing he gets to come home tonight and have a couple days off. Yeah, exactly. So so some people are concerned about the environmental and human health risks of nuclear power plants, but a much greater risk, yet uh, less discussed over the years, has come from all the plutonium produced for nuclear warheads during the Cold War. The runaway nuclear arms race during the 1950s, 60s, and 70s produced 56 million gallons of radioactive plutonium and other materials in both solid and liquid forms from now decommissioned warheads, a a venerable hot potato that the Department of Energy has been trying to deal with for decades. Now, when heated to 2100 degrees Fahrenheit at the Hanford site, radioactive waste uh, mixes with the glass material in a molten state before being poured into stainless steel canisters where it cools to become stable and storable. The multi-billion dollar facility recently moved ahead and built the first of its two 300-ton melters after a successful test saw 30,000 pounds of this vertified glass produced. Now, with with this first container of glass produced, we are entering the next era of risk reduction in the Hanford Environment Cleanup Mission as we work towards the start of tank waste demobilization, uh, says Brian Vance, a DOE Hanford uh, site manager, uh, said in a statement. Now, of the 100 tanks of liquid and solid radioactive plutonium waste stored underground at the Hanford site where the new facilities to be built, 20 had leaked, causing environmental harm that had, that had to be addressed by the DOE. The first of the 300-ton melters is slated to be operational next year. So maybe we can do something with this waste. That's kind of the way I look at all that. Hopefully, because it's extremely hard to get rid of it. And you can't just bear... Well, I mean, they've been doing it for years out in the desert, just burying it and hoping for the best. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to outrun this shit. And you've got to find a safer alternative to dispose of it, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Now... Um, so I think uh, we have uh, reached the point where it's time for the cavalcade of stupidity. We were gonna, I think you're right. Yeah. So as uh, our friend Rev Cybertrucker, uh, and he's going to weigh in on his uh, his his favorite twisted Christmas song. That's right. Hi, 
Hey-de-ho, ho pedalheads, and welcome to the Rev Cyber Truckers Cavalcade of Stupidity. I know it's supposed to come later on in the show, but I figured I might as well get my favorite twisted Christmas song in first. Psycho Stick is one of my favorite absurd comedy bands. From original songs like Bruce Campbell to parodies like The Current Example. Even though the lyrics are about that jolly old Saint Nicholas, the music definitely isn't. A parody of Rob Zombie's Dragula, this is Psycho Stick, Zombie Claws. It's tradition, cheer, and festivities. Play the full version of that at the at the uh, at the end of the show here. Um, I believe that's oh, oh, actually. Oh, oh, oh. Oops. Yeah, I had. I, 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 I believe that's actually Psycho Stick, and it's called Zombie Claws. Yeah, I believe is what yeah, I was told. Yeah, um, well, but I believe that is correct. Uh, that that is uh, that that sounds like that that's that's what it was, and we'll play it again with the with the intro and the, on. Uh, yeah, in Studio Thirty Three, we'll play the full version. Okay, so let's see. So for our toast and jam, because we've kind of because we've done a show this week, and we only did there's uh, we only had a well we, last week's or yesterday's topic was uh, has unfortunately been kind of has been kind of spilled over. Yeah, the oh, the the yeah the no soup for us. Don't even want to go there. Uh, I don't. Don't even yeah. want to talk about how thoroughly injured I am by all of what occurred yesterday. I'm I'm still not okay with having had to pour three quarts of cheddar broccoli soup down the toilet system. I'm 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 scarred because it really made trying to make dinners for the next day or two, a lot more challenging. And I have people coming at me in the back channels right now wanting to know, what are we having for dinner? I have no fucking clue. I've got nothing. I'm trying to do a show and I don't know what to cook or what to have. I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm beyond yeah. myself with the ripple effect from that soup 
not being able to be consumed to current moment. Yes. So, but meanwhile, what we did one one pe- one progress we did make this last week is finally was able to to um, uh, so we've we've had some issues here with with a couple of doors here in the in the condo uh, during the uh, during the winter during the winter months it seems that the uh, that the doors will not properly close now when you have a couple of cats that you don't necessarily want in certain rooms then yeah you kind of want to keep those doors closed so um, I the, we've been struggling with this for a while we had uh, we were using uh, we were trying to use a like a door stops to but the the our fucking cat, you know. Our cat is a psycho. Yes. Anyway, he, he anyway. So we, we finally got to a point where, um, and then and then uh, actually like about a week ago before, um, actually this was this was before the, all the sickness started, right? We I, I, um, the, the door had opened in the middle of the night, and one of the other cats was uh, sleeping on the bed, and. I had to remove the cat, and I'm, I, I, I determined I was fairly allergic to that cat, but it could have also been the fact that that was, because that was also the start of the sickness. That was the start of you being ill, yes. So anyway, that caused me to get some motivation to try and figure this out. So uh, uh, between, a, between a chisel and some new... Um, and some new strike plates that are that are a little bit bigger uh, that we, and, and have and, and attach in different places. Uh, yeah, I think I fixed uh, well actually three of the bedroom door because because your mom's bedroom door also is having was uh, having some issues. Um, yeah, you be- did an amazing job. You're such a nerd, MacGyver. I love you. Yes. Yeah, so so yes, we finally so I finally fixed doors and yes, I felt yeah. I'm Bob fucking Vila. <laughs> That's right. Let's just say I got I, I got yeah somebody ISO. I'm Bob fucking Vila. <laughs> Yeah. God damn it. Uh, there you go. I, 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 Vula. <laughs> anyway, so, um, okay, so we also have played a, we, we also had voice, so um, we also uh, had a refire topic, of course, and we didn't, and you can call in at 253-237-3321 and, and weigh in on this topic of uh, what's your go-to, uh, uh, what's your go-to uh, Twisted Christmas song? We will open the phone lines for anyone who wants to call in live and tell us what is that song that you just love to hear for Christmas? But it's not the original. It's the fucked up version. Yeah, that's right. So meanwhile, we got a voicemail here. So we're going to go ahead and play Woo! this. Uh... Hey, y'all. Dame Jennifer Weta here. Um, my favorite Twisted Christmas music um, is We Wish You'd Bury the Misses. It's off of the Tales from the Crypt Christmas album. Uh, the whole album is pretty twisted and I enjoy it. But that one in particular gives me the giggles. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Dame Jennifer Wheeler. We're going to have, I've never heard that. We're going to have to check that out. Yeah, in we will. Studio it, it, 33. Tonight. Yes, we will after after we get to, to that, the end of the that show. That really sounds like a whole lot of fun. Yeah, so um, we were going through the Christmas music last night because, of course, now this week to the point when the, in the in, you know, where we would, we would say our own. Um, so there's, there's so many that, that of course I, um, you know, I, I think I, I think I played, uh, you know, Stan Freeberg's Green Christmas and, and the, you know, and, and, and of course. There know. was definitely a, a relatively healthy mix of Twisted Christmas songs. And tonight we are going to do primarily Twisted Christmas songs. So we invite you all after the content to join us at lotuseffect.stream and get in lotuseffect.chat on the Kiwi and tell us what you want to hear, what Twisted Christmas song is going to make it for you as you get ready to endure this most pain in the ass holiday. Hey, we have a live caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. 
Oh, hey, face of the screen on uh, pedal heads. I thought I was going to leave a voicemail. Hey! <laughs> How you doing, brother? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, uh, you know, li- living the dream. Yeah, Merry Christmas, you know. And, 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 and happy something or other. I don't know. That's a, and, ha- <laughs> and, and please buy our beer. Oh, wait a minute. That's a different thing. <laughs> That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> you terrible phone boy. Uh, so, what, so what is your go-to sick and twisted Christmas song? Well, I mean, you're talking about Twisted Christmas songs. You know, you got to go to uh, Twisted Sister. You know, they did a Christmas album years ago, and it was pretty good. They did uh, I saw that on YouTube. Oh, Come All Ye Faithful to the tune of We're Not Going to Take It Anymore. It's like, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. <laughs> it's pretty good. We're going to have to check that out, too. Yeah, there's a good music video for it, too. It's kind of funny. Like, the, I don't know. It's just like they're opening presents, and the woman's being a real bitch, and the guy's just like a really nerdy guy. I don't know. Funny. Sounds like fun. That that's how we uh, that's how we stumbled across the um, the rocking around the Christmas tree mashup with ACDC for Dirty Deeds. I, they called it uh, Dirty Deeds Done Around the Christmas Tree. I, I'm like, this has to get played. And it was actually pretty. Oh good. yeah, that Bill McClintock is great, man. That's I think that's the one you're talking about, right? The guy Bill McClintock does all those different mashups. I have no idea. This this was spawned because somebody sent us a mashup that we played called All I Want for Christmas is the Beautiful People or something like that. Yeah, a, same guy. Same guy did that. Right. Um, so that got me kind of <laughs> down a little rabbit hole on trying to find something we hadn't heard before. And that's where I ran across the ACDC uh, Dirty Deeds Done Around the Christmas Tree one. Yeah. Uh, that guy's fucking ruined music for me, man. I can't listen to one song at a time anymore. It's like I gotta listen to mashups and like you know, why listen to one song when you can listen to three? But you don't see the the cool thing about it is you don't have to like play them faster or anything. You can listen to multiple songs at once. (laughs) Well, Rock Sugar does that for us. Yeah, 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 (laughs) those guys are freaking amazing. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So. All right, I guess the question is, um, hey, what else? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm so thrown off my game today with all of this. Doing doing three shows in in a very short succession of time while trying to fight being sick <laughs> has been real adventurous. Yeah. Yes, you might say that. Oh, that shit's going around. Yeah, and unfortunately it visited right after we got back from Cali, so... The timing could not have sucked worse. Well, if you would have gotten sick while you were there, that might have sucked more, too, though. I mean, I don't know. Like, traveling while you're sick really sucks. I spent the first three days we were there miserable, I can assure you. This this was not the end of the vacation I was looking for to get sick when returning. No. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, we 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 got we're we're getting through it finally. Yeah, we're finally on the other side of it. At least for the most part, we're not hacking and dying. You know, the most coughing we do is when we take a rip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that was the worst part about when I had COVID. Man, I was like, I couldn't smoke at all. It just like I didn't really have a cough or anything, but like if I tried to smoke at all, it was, it would rip me up. Yeah, that really weird. Totally sucks. Hey, did you guys give each other your Christmas gifts yet, or are you waiting until tomorrow? We're, we're not giving each other Christmas gifts. We, yeah, we're not even acknowledging 
it yeah. as a yeah, holiday. I mean, we, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, the amount of the the, uh, the amount of lucre that was spent to do what we did, uh, you know, to going to California. I think that was that's more than enough <laughs> as far as it, yeah, as that was. It. Oh, that's well, cool. Yeah, I mean, that was your hey, man. birthday cool. gift. That's right. Our decision to not do the Christmas thing. We told everyone well in advance. We are not buying. We do not want bought for us. We are perfect. We we weren't even going to do a dinner. And then we started talking about the fact we had agreed to purchase the roast that arrived yesterday. And it was kind of a last minute. Well, fuck. We really don't have the room in the freezer to store the roast. We might as well. We need to cook the first one from last year that we ordered. And now we've got this other one. We might as well just do it and get it out of the way. So it's like, we're going to watch football. We're going to eat food. That's it. Yeah, nothing major, you know, just a good meal and time together. You know, that's that's the problem with Christmas a lot of time. You know, you, even when you go travel and visit family and shit, it's like everybody's too busy to even hang out anyway. Yeah, and I have a huge aversion to electronics minus watching football and... Like, my youngest son was like, oh, you know, we can all play Monopoly. I brought my Xbox. I'm like, dude, no, this is not I I don't like the thought of being on electronics. That's not I don't care if you're all playing a game together that, you know, no. Yeah, yeah, Monopoly. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, this is this Monopoly needs to be played in a physical form on a table with a board. And I need to get a proper fucking Monopoly set, which which is unfortunate because I because I had several of them in in Wisteria Lane. And in fact, I had uh, yeah, the ex had purchased me this high end one from fucking Franklin Mint or something at one point. With your money. It was of course with my money. She also bought one she also <laughs> bought like an old one at a at a um at a at a yard sale. It's a kind of a, a more of a classic one. Um there's um but I had and then I've I had a f I've had a, I had a couple other ones, I guess, but the but but yeah, it, it Monopoly's a game you play in person, you know, with with a, you know, with not with, on a goddamn Xbox yeah. controller. Yeah, I tried playing it. You remember the electronic Monopoly back in the eighties or whatever that they had the little board that you put out. You could, yeah, yeah, that kind of took away from it too. I mean, but no, anyway. yeah. I can't say I ever played that particular version. To be honest, the most electronic I did was the electronic banking one, and I actually kind of found that to be fun till it malfunctioned, and then you throw the fucking thing across the board or across the room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all. Have you ever played idea. Euchre? Huh? No. Euchre, it's a pretty fun card game. Never heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've never played I, it. That's the thing, a lot of people never heard of it. It used to be the most popular game back in, like, the Civil War or something, like, a long fucking time ago. But you play it with, like, the 910 and all the face cards, like 910, Jack, Queen, King, Ace. So you don't, you take the rest of the deck out of the it's deck, yeah, you know. Like and peanut, you're playing with, like, a peanut deck. You play with all those deck, cards. Right? Huh? You're playing with a pinochle deck. Pretty much, yeah. It's like, a, or it's like spades, I think, too. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a weird game. It's just four people, and you just, I don't know. It's a pretty fun holiday time game. It just, it's almost like it plays itself. It's a really good game for when you're drinking because, you know, you just part of, you have to follow the suit of like the guy that plays before you. You know, like the first person to play, you have to play. If you have one of the same, like spades or hearts or whatever, you know, you have to play what he played first. If you don't have one, then you can beat him with a better card or something, but. Like, 
seems like half the time the game plays itself, so it's pretty fun. <laughs> hey, whatever works, man. I mean, when, you know, we, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, we were talking about potentially pulling out hot death Uno, but that's a trying uh, to teach you know getting the deck set and trying to teach people how to play it. it uh, it's a possibility, but honestly, I've heard you guys talk about that. I've, I've never really checked it out. And the only other person that I've ever heard speak of or know what the hell this was uh, is uh, the Bemrose you know, brothers. Exactly, Bemlin and Sir Bemrose. Those are the only two, other than Phone Boy, I've ever heard speak of this game or know what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's odd. Death Uno with some, um, you know, it, it was some house rules. Is probably the best way to describe it, and some special cards, but. That's as that's as that's as much as I can uh, much as I think I can describe a bit in in, in a short period of time. Yeah. yeah, and you still don't have your deck built. Yeah, I know. And I don't know how long it would take to build the deck. Yeah, well, I've got the I've got the I've got the the, the first deck I built that was not it was not hundred percent correct, but it will work for what we. No, uh, I did not spend all that money on Uno cards original deck for you to half ass it with the new deck that you made that's not quite right. No. It's going to be a thousand percent right. We're not cutting corners. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you heard the lady. Yeah. Sam's rule. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. All right. But irrelevant to the fact, we appreciate your uh, your calling in on that show or on that song. God, listen <laughs> to me. Uh, and I'm not even fucking like on anything. I'm just <laughs> I'm at that point. Three shows down, I'm just fighting for the finish line. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But thank you. Well, I was going to give my wife a pair of scissors back real quick because like, I'm going to wrap them up and give them to her because, like, I just forged a pair of scissors out of drill bits. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, I just forged, like, a pair of scissors, and they're they're pretty cool. They work really nicely, and, I mean, I'm going to just kind of make a joke out of giving her her own scissors back. <laughs> it, it works. Because she always complains I don't put them back when I'm done with them. Oh, got it. So. We have we have at least two pairs in the house, and I'm forever like, where are the fucking scissors? Yeah, if I lose these, I'll be pissed, you know, so that's the thing. <laughs> well, it's incentive to be more, you know, aware of where the hell they are and, and keep track of them. Yeah. You could always... exactly. Well, I was going to say you could always, like, tie them to something, but then you'd have to bring whatever it is to the scissors, and that would not be productive. Never mind. <laughs> it's like making my own tools. It's fun. You know, You every time you use them, it's like, oh, I made that, you know? Yeah, there's definitely some pride there. All right. Well, I'll let you guys get on with your show, and Merry Christmas, and nice talking to you. Yeah, Mary, 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 Mary Chrysler or something. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks for calling in, Faze. Bye. 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 All right, there we go. Okay, so uh, if you want to get on the discussion, if you want to have a great goddamn time with us, two five three two three seven three three two one. Yeah. Meanwhile, we need to move on to the higher consciousness segment. I'll take a drink, and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I I like to smoke. Reefer, you know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. That's right. We do not freebase cocaine. We we may do the uh, the following, however. Blazing blunts in a beat up Taurus. La 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 la. So, I love the fact I move out of this commie state, 
and they fucking start bringing all the good shit and legalizations in. So if you choose to consume alcohol with your holiday celebrations, be sure to make those purchases ahead of time. And of course, please drink responsibly. Now, this is a public service announcement from the Department of Consumer Protection Commissioner Brian T. Kefrelli in a statement on Wednesday. And because we regulate many things, you may be wondering about the Connecticut law, which does not prohibit the sale of cannabis or limit your ability to place wagers during the holidays. Isn't that lovely? You can get stoned and start betting. Yay! Good on you, Connecticut. So no matter how you choose to spend the holidays, please know your limit. Arrange designated drivers and be respectful of the establishments and communities where you celebrate. Oh, my God. What I know. It's obscene. Now, on both New Year's and Christmas Day, the state law prohibits package stores, which is what they're called, from opening and grocery stores are barred from selling beer. And the to-go sales of liquor are also banned. But you can get your weed. And you can place your bets. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, no, yeah, we, place your bets. Yeah, something. Place your weed. Living in living in that damn state. Well, that's about place the about your the, bets is really the statement. Yeah, well, not only that. Um, yeah, you probably need to do those things in order to be able to uh, mentally survive living there. Um, damn, Skippy. It's it's much like this other state. This is a scam. Now, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine claimed last week that fentanyl-laced pot is a threat to the state as he urged the last-minute changes or to, the, to the law Ohio voters approved last month. But one doctor trained in the field of overdose prevention said those stories have been debunked and shouldn't be perpetrated by leaders. And instead, they should focus on real issues such as fentanyl that's administered in other ways. I already like this guy. Yeah. So Dr. Tasha Turner Bicknell, an, an associate professor at the University of Cincinnati College of Nursing is laser focused on overdose prevention. She told WCHM that during her time as a researcher with the Harm Reduction Ohio, where where she sits on the board of directors, she's been unable to find a single shred of proof that fentanyl is being found in cannabis. It doesn't actually have any basis in reality when samples are tested for fentanyl, she said. Here's the problem. You can lace marijuana with fentanyl. Just because they haven't found any that's laced does not mean it's not out there. And that's what bugs the shit out of me about this particular governor's head up his ass trying to convince the Ohioans not to go through with the legalization of recreational and uh, medicational weed. You want this, dickhead. If the point is not to have fentanyl-laced weed in your communities... Legalization's going to make it where you cut out the opportunity for that to happen, Opie, because you're going to be regulating the farms. It's going to be seed to sale. Somebody needs to fucking clue this guy in. Give him the phone number of the governor to Colorado or some shit. It's unbelievable. Yes. Now, Turner Bicknell called the concept of fentanyl-laced marijuana a myth. Um, 
So, um, so okay, it's something that's talked about and covered in the media, but when the actual tests are run in the state or government labs, it always comes back negative, Turner Bicknell said. We really don't have any evidence at all that there's any proof of any such thing as fentanyl and marijuana. Turner Bicknell called the concept of fentanyl-laced marijuana a myth. She said one reason is that the different temperatures that marijuana and fentanyl have to be burned at in order to be smoked. The way that fentanyl would be smoked, it would not be really combustible at the same temperature that marijuana would be burned at. So when you talk to people about it more in depth, it's also something that's not really possible that there wouldn't be any fentanyl in marijuana and that would be sm- that it would be smoked um and if you think the only fucking way that someone is consuming marijuana is through smoking it you truly are ignorant madam yes well apparently um we're, we're ignorant here in this next step we can move to the back of the napkin god damn it yeah. iPhone schmiphone. The way I see it, the only good phone's a landline, and the phone should be made out of Bakelite. And I, I, I'm sorry when I, because I'm not covering when I'm cooking because I'm not fucking cooking. So there, problem solved. Okay. But this next story really tickled me when you told me about it, and we just had to cover it. Now, Apple is pausing the sales of its Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2, uh, well, starting December 21st. Now, it is, it is actually, and it has already pulled these things out of the, out of the, out of the stores. Uh, the move comes as products are, are facing a potential import ban until, the, until August 2028 due to the rulings that the watches infringe on patents, patents from uh, Massimo. In October, the, the U.S. International Trade Commission upheld January ruling that Apple Watches with pulse oximeter uh, features infringes on two Massimo patents. Since then, the case has been under a 60-day presidential review period, which end well, which ended, uh, you know, where, which ends, I guess, on Christmas Day here. After that date, the watches are subject to an import ban until the patent's expiration in 2028. Now, Apple told Nine to Five Mac, while we review, while the review period will not end until December 25th, Apple is preemptively taking steps to to comply should the ruling stand. This includes pausing sales of the Apple Watch Series Nine and Apple Watch Ultra Two from Apple.com starting in December. 21st and from Apple retail locations after December 24th. Now, the Apple Watch SE will remain available since it doesn't have the blood oxygen sensor technology under dispute, which Apple debuted with the Apple Watch Series 6 in 2020. Now, as of this writing, Massimo's consumer health website includes a handful of Apple uh, Apple or a handful of products, and that includes the Massimo W1 health tracking watch, against which Apple filed a patent infringement case in 2022. And if that's not enough, and litigious, litigious beef between these two, Massimo also had a case against Apple filed in the U.S. District Court in the Central District of California in early 2020, as noted by 9to5Mac. Now, Apple has alluded to numerous paths it can it can it can take to keep the watches uh, alive, uh, from more litigation to seeking new technologies. But it's also possible that Massimo and Apple try to in their ba- battle by working out some sort of licensing agreement. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny because I actually, I actually, well, own- that would make it too easy. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna fight and, and and come up with a settlement that nobody likes and and things are in business business as usual is gonna move on. Apple making it, you know, this is. I'm sure Apple will, uh, you know, uh, doesn't. It's a giant dick wagging contest. That's all it is. You know, here, speaking of another uh, giant dick wagging contest. Uh, God damn it. Sorry. Yes. 
Liz, that's what you think about this uh, this story that I'm reading. Going to be reading about Knoxville. Yes, I do. Yes. So Knoxville is building the biggest community-owned broadband network in the U.S. history. All right. Now that we've now that we've read the historical headline or the hysterical headline, um, the Knoxville Utilities Board says it has managed to deploy 1,100 miles of fiber infrastructure and connect more than 50,000 local residents so far uh, as it makes headway on what's expected to be a seven-year project. In addition to uh, in addition to gigabit speeds for uh, uh, $65 a month, KUB is also offering symmetricals, uh, or symmetrical 2.5 gigabit service for $150 a month and symmetrical 10 gigabit service for $300 a month. That's They're a- out of their fucking minds. Never. They're never going to get that kind of money. No- nobody privately is going to pay that much. I'm just saying. Okay. In 2021, the city owned utility decided to offer locals residential fiber after decades of complaints by locals about a lack of competition. Like many cities, uh, Knoxville broadband is largely comprised of just two giant regional monopolies, AT&T and Comcast resulting in slow speed, spotty access and high prices. Now AT&T and Comcast attempted to undermine the project at every opportunity. Comcast sued Chattanooga for building a similar network and tried their best to get locals to sign long-term contracts contracts before the city-owned network is completed. Locals weren't particularly impressed. Now, Comcast thanked me for being a, tw- a customer for 23 years, but it's not because I had the option to go anywhere else, said local entrepreneur Tyler Roy, who said that he had once driven across town during rush hour because that was faster than uploading a file to his home device. Uh, they had 23 years to fix these problems, and they haven't. Now, Knoxville is one of more than 900 communities that have decided to build their own community broadband networks in response to obvious market failure. Data routinely shows community-owned networks result in lower prices, faster speeds, and better customer service. And as locally-owned operations, they're more directly accountable to their neighbors. Now, in many reasons... In many regions, I, wow! I'm going. Um, yeah, I'm. 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 I'm having this. Uh, this Amy Goodman moment here. Uh, so, in many regions, it's the local city-owned utility or cooperative that's leading the charge. Now, elsewhere, it's exclusively the municipality. And in many regions, municipalities that can handle the cost or logistics of building fiber networks will partner with an existing, usually a smaller private operator, like uh, Fort Worth uh, is is uh, partnering with Sprocket Networks, and and Ting has been doing a bunch of stuff in the in, you know in that in that area as well. So in many cities, these municipalities are are eyeing open access fiber networks, like the recent Copia report on the subject. Such networks allow numerous ISPs to come in and compete in layers on a centralized city-owned infrastructure. It reduces the access costs for new entrants, and it drives down the broadband costs for residents and local businesses alike via a strange concept known as competition. Yeah, the fed- federal regulators who largely turned a blind eye to the way politically powerful regional monopoli- monopolies drive up costs for consumers haven't been particularly helpful. Now, Republicans, as you might recall, uh, tried to pass a bill banning all community-owned broadband networks at the peak of the pandemic when such networks were busy showing the utility and benefit. Yeah, well, you know, and Democrats, in contrast, often pay empty lip service to the digital divide. Not only can they not openly admit monopolies are a problem, but they're also largely avoided lending even basic messaging support to what's become a massive grassroots movement of pissed off locals. Again, for fear of upsetting politically powerful companies tethered to our domestic surveillance operations. Now, what has dramatically helped the community owned broadband movement has been a historic round of new subsidies and loans made possible by the infrastructure bill. More than 
$45 billion in broadband subsidies are now headed to the states, and a, and, a, and, a, and a whole lot of that money will be thrown in the laps of monopolies. A sizable chunk is winding its way to local community-owned uh, mon- networks, which is, which is, you know, hopefully that's a that's a thing there. Now, um, most of these communities aren't building broadband networks because they think it's fun. They're building broadband networks because decades of federal reg- federal regulatory um, uh, incompetence and regional monopolies have resulted in the market failure and, and costly substandard service, giving them no other choice. Now, large entrenched regional monopolies could have responded to this movement by building faster, better, cheaper networks. Instead, they found it less expensive to sue cities trying to build better infrastructure or pass state laws banning municipalities from even pondering the idea. This hasn't worked, so they're increasingly facing the, the first meaningful competition to their power in a generation. And because such networks have, have widespread by partisan public support, and the animosity for regional monopolies runs so deep after decades of dysfunction, Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, and Charter are having a hell of a time trying to spin this extremely popular movement as a negative. Yeah, it's about damn time. As much as I hate the fact that KUB has this grand vision, and I just see it as a let's suck them in because they feel like, oh, What's the lesser of two evils? And then they're going to spike that price and make it absolutely unaffordable for everyone. That's just the way Knoxville does business. They're shitty. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, uh, these people are shitty. Humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. And of course, there's no better way to introduce this story. Fuck Klaus Schwab. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck, fuck, fuck Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Hey! Yes. So thank you for joining us for your latest lesson on how you don't actually own the things you buy when you buy them digitally. Over a year ago, we discussed the story out of Germany and Austria where a deal expired between Sony and movie distributor Studio Canal, which resulted in hundreds of movies being delisted and deleted, both from the PlayStation Store and from the PlayStations of those who bought them. Yep, people who bought a thing got a thing and then had that thing, uh, uh, or, 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 you know, had that thing clawed back from them once the licensing agreement wasn't renewed. You can guess for yourself whether the members of the public who bought these movies had any idea that them disappearing long after purchase was even a possibility. But don't overthink it. You all know the answer to that. Now, but maybe you thought, well, sucks for Germany. But that wouldn't happen here in America. Well, it turns out that for some of us, uh, too, as the exact same thing happened here, not only with shows and content produced by Discovery and purchased through the PlayStation Store. Now, the, the latest pothole on the road to an all-digital future was discovered via warning Sony recently sent out to its PlayStation users who purchased TV shows made by Discovery, the reality TV network that recently merged with Warner Brothers in one of our most brutal and iconic corporate maneuvers of our time. Now... Due to our content licensing agreements with content providers, you will no longer be able to watch any of your recently purchased Discovery content, and the content will be removed from your video library. Read a copy of the email that was shared with Kotaku. Now, it links to a page on the PlayStation website listing all the shows impacted. As you might imagine, given Discovery's penchant for pumping out seasons of relatively cheap-to-produce but popular reality TV and documentary-based shows, there's a lot of them. They include, but are not limited to, such hits as Say Yes to the Dress, Shark Week, Cake Boss, Long Island Medium, Deadly Women, and many, many more. Gee, it sounds like something out of KTL Records or something. Oh my god, I'm familiar with a majority of these shows, and guess what, y'all? Mythbusters is on the chopping block, too. It feels like that show missed an opportunity to bust the myth that you own what you bought when you purchased something digitally. The reality is, there's no good way to actually retain these shows in cases like this. 
Some that bought Disney or Discovery content are freaking out. Understandably. Is there a way I can save this content? Asked one panicked PlayStation user on Reddit. I use PS4, but I've bought many seasons of shows such as Dual Survivor that I don't wish to lose. I was actually under the impression, since I owned it, I would never, ever lose it. Well, (laughs) whatever else is true, it's obvious that platforms aren't doing nearly enough to actually inform customers of what they're buying, leasing, renting, whatever. It would be one thing if this content was ripped away and everyone on all sides realized that was a possibility, but that just isn't the case. And just as in the Germany instance, there's no chance that any of this comes with any refunds or givebacks. Well-meaning customers who paid money for this content simply don't have it anymore. And it's it just isn't like having a Netflix account or something like that, where the product catalog is constantly in flux. It's people who are buying a show or the season of a show, but they're really not. They're renting it until some combination of Sony and the licensee decides that they're not. And that just isn't a tenable future, as yeah. we all know. And it's not. Well, and sadly, what we've got here is for this, uh, this, uh, oh boy. This will, trigger warning, folks, this will piss you off. This will make you sick. He got a heart on, he got horny, he lost control. He went out of his mind. Raped again. Yeah, and uh, this is a this was a, this was actually a story that I had that I had uh, printed. This was a I have a picture of this story that was in a it was in a, a newspaper, and and we have it. Uh, we have, and, yeah, we have it printed out here. Um, so, uh, Dittler Bourget shifts in his seat and adjusts his red tie. He is finding it hard to recall how many children he raped. What? When he was working for the United Nations in the Democratic Republic of Congo in two thousand four. I would say about 20, maybe 25. I didn't count. I know. I I found it very hard as well. So Bourget was earning 57,000 a month. A month. You fucking heard that right. A month. As the head of the logistics in the peacekeeping mission in Goma while getting locals to procure children for him. He had two assets that ensured children trusted him. He was white and he worked for the UN. He said the sex was consensual, but is unaware whether the children were afraid to say no. I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Could be. Can we cut this guy's cock off? Can can we please just tie him to a tree, take a knife and make a nice little cross-shaped incision on the head of his cock? Pour honey on him and let the ants do the rest. Can we can we file for that? So after the Congolese police arrested Bourget and the French authorities jailed him for nine years in 2008, the U.N. made a public promise to help his victims. That promise was never kept. Oh, gee, you fucking think the U.N. the U.N. said it could not find the victims. But 14 years on. When we investigated UN sex abuse for Channel 4, it took only one afternoon for my producer to find four women whom Bourget had raped when they were children. Bourget's hunting ground was the slum around Goma Airport where children in ragged clothes scampered through the alleyways. Adults remembered the rapes well. Valerie Safari was four when she used to sell bananas by the side of the road to pay for her education. 
Luring her with promises of help for six months, Bourget took her to a hotel where he abused her. He was so old, as old as my father, she whispered. Bourget, a civilian, was part of a culture of UN personnel having sex with prostitutes, including children. More than a decade on, that culture persists. Yet the UN has recorded only 53 blue helmets who've been jailed for sexual offenses. It's up to each troop contributing country to convict its men. But there is institutional and national reluctance to prosecute those accused of sex crimes. The reality is there's no guarantee of criminal accountability for someone who commits rape inside a UN peacekeeping mission, despite a lot of effort by a lot of people and a strong reach of the UN, said Anthony Banbury. And and a child, what? And yeah. children? What the fuck? Did you do this? No, no, I have a feeling there's a, this is a copy paste thing. So. I think so. Yeah. So more than a for more than a decade, the academic and former UN assistant secretary general. Yeah. Apparently, that's who this guy is. Yeah. So this is a crime that knows no national boundaries. Francine was 15 when she got a job as a housekeeper for a UN worker in DRC. She soon learned that sex was part of the job and fell pregnant with her son. Missouri reporter Namita Navai left with Francine, who says she was a victim of sexual exploitation by a UN worker and is now five years old and has never met his, her son is now five years old and has never met his father. Francie never heard from him again. She never reported the case to the UN in a forest near Nambari Bambari in the central African Republic. Manda is squatting on a patch of scorched earth by a small straw hut in a makeshift refugee camp. Her family are among more than one million Central Africans who fled the fighting in the past years. Manda was 11 when she was reportedly raped by a DRC peacekeeper. I was wearing a nice dress. After he had sex with me, he gave me money. He told me not to talk about it. She got pregnant. Her baby hangs from her breast. Her mother said that they didn't know how to report the case to the U.N., not far away, 17-year-old Maritia is recovered from being gang-raped by Mauritian peacekeepers at a checkpoint. She was interviewed by several UN employees, although she has not heard from them in months and doesn't know what's happened to the men accused of raping her. I thought the blue hem helmets were here to protect the population, not rape the population, said her uncle Ishmael. It's not normal. And she's right. It's not normal, but it is what's been going on for a very long time. And this is also part of what we were talking about on Coffee and Chronic, myself and Hempress Emily M with the Kathy O'Brien story. This shit is so systemic and it is so worldwide and we've got to find a way to put a stop to it. Yeah, no, ki yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um I wish we could put a stop to these motherfuckers, but um, but we need to. But um, but yeah, the, we we are down to dishonorable mentions. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. And uh, yeah. Can we forget about the hack we suffered just last week? 
Now, Comcast uh, so uh, waited 13 days to patch a critical uh, uh, Citrix uh, Bleed Zero Day, and it's, of course, paying the price now because it's in the news. Uh, so Comcast waited as many as nine days to patch its network against a high-severity vulnerability, a lapse that allowed hackers to make off with password data and other sensitive information belonging to 36 million Xfinity customers. The breach, which was carried out by exploiting a vulnerability in network hardware sold by Citrix gave hackers access to usernames and cryptographically hashed passwords for 35.9 million Xfinity customers. The cable TV and internet provider said in a notification filed Monday with the Maine Attorney General's office. Now, Citrix disclosed the vulnerability and issued a patch on October 10th. Now, Comcast didn't patch its network until October 16th. Uh, at the earliest and October 19th at the latest, a lapse of six to nine days. On October 18th, researchers reported th that the vulnerability tracked as CVE-2023-4966 and by the name Citrix Bleed had been under active exploitation since August. However... We subsequently discovered that prior to mitigation between October 16th and October 19th, there was an unauthorized access to some of our internal systems that we concluded was a result of this vulnerability. And a company notice said Now we notified federal law enforcement and conducted an investigation into the nature and scope of the incident. On November 16th, it was determined that the information was likely acquired. Uh, now, Comcast is requiring Xfinity customers to reset their passwords to protect the possibility that attackers can crack their stolen hashes. Uh, careful about uh, careful about hacking stolen hashes. You know, uh, the company is also encouraging customers to enable two-factor authentication. The representative declined to say why company admins didn't patch sooner. Oh no, they don't want to answer that question because they know that their asses are already sitting right above the flame. They don't want the rope to lower any more. Yeah. Yes, and you wonder why we want uh, companies other than Comcast to provide us internet access um you know because anyway yeah it's unfortunately stuff like this happens occasionally and yeah um you know so we have to do business with these people unfortunately yes unfortunately we do well there's a reason that we despite being in tech rail against tech and shame on these fucking companies for not doing their jobs and getting these patches out when you know there's a problem. You want to charge exorbitant prices. You expect your customers to trust you. But this is not activity that shows that your customers should trust you. So shame on you. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think we've uh, I think we have gotten to uh, the point of this of the show where, uh, you know, we say, uh, let's see, I think it's this. I'm so fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it. Well, um, yeah, and I think we are. Uh, I think I think we're to that point, um, and so I think we are. And uh, so uh, we, we end the show like something like this. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, and fuck you. I'm out. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Fucking embarrassing! Fucking A, let's quit the swearing.